We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story? You can also go online and give to this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. For Susan and I uh, to have Keith and Jackie here this morning, uh, they have been friends, uh, colleagues for a very, very long time, and uh, they have uh, they've came to Ecuador many times while prior to us getting there, and then after us being there, and uh, we've laughed. We've cried. Uh, They're great mentors. Uh, You'll not find a a family, a husband and a wife that does ministry better together than them. Uh, Besides me and Susan, by the way. But that's just given, right? But uh, it is an honor and a privilege to have you both here that... uh, you know, they came to Ecuador so many times that people saw pictures of Jackie and, and, and me together on Facebook. And people began to think that she was my mom and began to ask her that. Aren't you Shannon Pruitt's mom? So I call her mom, too, and uh, I love you both. And uh, it is an honor and privilege to have you guys here this morning. So without any further ado, come on brother and give him a hand they have served here i forget they i don't forget but they they pastored here uh years ago and uh it's great to have them back home at hector amen hold was the answer to the question that I got. So it's a delight to see you. We love the Pruitts. We love you. It's an honor to be here today and thank the Lord for all of his blessings. We were counting up a little bit before service. It's been about 13 years since I've seen you, and uh, that's been a long time. But let me just help you. You've not aged a day. How'd I do? But uh, seriously, we love you guys. These were great days while we were here. Uh, The Pruitts are special. We honor them. We are honored to be a part of their Appreciation Day. And my, what a wonderful staff that uh, Pastor Shannon and Miss Susan have put together. And I am just excited for your future as to what God is doing. We walked up on the grounds. and, And when you've been at this as long as I have, you just see things you don't, maybe the average bear doesn't see. The grounds are well kept, the building's clean, the lobby's well arranged and beautifully decorated, the carpet looks nice, it's a wonderful atmosphere, and all of that is not only a compliment to you, but that's also a compliment to leadership, and I know you acknowledge that. So again, it is so good. Let me tell you a little bit about the relationship that uh, Jackie and I have with the Pruitts. Uh, Susan and I have what would be close to a love-hate relationship, for example, 
uh, at Christmas time, she'll wish Jackie a Merry Christmas. And so I return the favor. Merry Christmas, Pastor Shannon. And if you want to tell Susan Merry Christmas, then that's okay. But the truth of the matter is, Jackie and I live in a house, just the two of us. And husbands, help me. Why in the world are you on the far end of the house? And she starts talking. Why couldn't that happen when you're both in the living room or both in the kitchen? Never. Opposite ends of the house. There are only two people in the house. So I'm like, well, she's saying something. I can't hear what she's saying. I need to go see what my wife needs. And I walk in the room, and there's a phone positioned like so, and she's doing this little, I've been thinking about maybe peach or tangerine. Sue, what do you think? Marco. Now, I can tell you, Pastor Shannon, I have never, he'll witness this, we have never Marco Polo'd. And that's just half the story. Probably never will. I played Marco Polo with the grandkids in the swimming pool a time or two, but I've never had... Marco Polo on the phone. I'm a whole lot like Phil Robertson. I'm a low-tech man in a high-tech world. But it's good to be with you, and we love the Pruitt dearly. If you have your copy of Scripture handy, uh, printed or electronic, uh, just keep your Bible open because we're going to be visiting Judges chapter 11 and chapter 12. And I want to talk to you today about a man by the name of Japhath. He's not necessarily a headline name in Scripture, but I believe he has something to say to us from the Word. During World War II, Nazis trained or Nazis were trained to speak English. They could talk to you about the Brooklyn Dodgers. They could talk to you about family. They could talk to you about current events of the day. And they were very fluent in English. However, they were trained to speak in British English. And so the Allied forces had to double-check their motives to try to figure out whether they were legitimate or if they were German spies that had infiltrated the Allied forces. And one dead giveaway, the British would say, Let's go hop in the lorry, L-O-R-R-Y. You and I would say, let's go hop in the truck. So if the Germans said, let's go hop in the lorry, that was an alarm that this guy was a spy. He's been trained to understand and to speak British English, and so they had to deal with him, obviously, on another front. Now, I have a jar of fruit that comes from oak trees. These are hoblob oaks, hobby lobby. 
I got them before they started falling, okay? So I want to take a quick survey. How do you pronounce the word A-C-O-R-N? Do you say a corn or do you say acorn? Come on, this is not a trap. Talk to me. Where are my acorn folks? Hands up, acorns. Wow. I'm going to need some help. Where are my acorn folks? All right. Probably a 60-40, getting close to 50-50 split. Well, I'm not here to make any enemies, and I'm not going to judge you if you say acorn, but we do have an affinity that goes a little deeper if you say acorn. You with me so far? It's not a big deal. Your salvation doesn't depend on it. 80% of America says acorn. So 20% of us say acorns. Now, the book of Judges is not necessarily a collection of stories that talks about the Hall of Fames of Faith or the Shame on You stories. It is a story, however, that is similar to a roller coaster track of highs and lows. And I think it's interesting to note that when God's people obey Him, the roller coaster is on a high plane. And when they disobey Him, the roller coaster is on a low plane. And isn't that kind of true of us today? When we're obedient and submitted and surrendered to our Heavenly Father, it's amazing what the Lord provides and how He works in our lives. And then if we choose to be disobedient or if we choose to be rebellious against God, then it becomes a shame on me story. Now, at the end of the book of Judges, we realize that God's people are still mistake prone. They're still very human. They're still very limited in their ability to follow specifically the words of God. And so they find themselves in this high and low. Smack in the middle in chapters 11 and 12 is this man by the name of Japheth. He is the son of a prostitute. He has been ran off from the family farm. He's been exed out of the inheritance. He has joined with a band of hooligans, rebels, vigilantes, and they've moved to a place called Tob because of the rejection that Japheth, let me introduce you to him in chapter 11, verses 1, 2, and 3. Japheth of Gilead was a great warrior. He was a son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also had several sons, and when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Japheth off of the land. You will not get any of your father's inheritance, they said, for you are the son of a prostitute. For Japheth fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. Now, most of us are going to handle rejection in one of two ways. As Japheth was rejected, he did what many of us would do, and that is to flight. If you're not going to accept me, if you're not going to love me, if you're not going to treat me as part of the family, I'm gone. That's what Japheth did. The other side of the coin and the other way that people handle rejection is they fight. 
You're trying to cut me out of the family. I'll show you. We'll go to Fish City and we'll settle this thing once and for all. And so it's a flight or fight situation. In this case, Japheth flew. Now, there are two types of rejection. There are healthy rejections, and most all of us have lived long enough at least to hear the word no one time. Isn't it interesting how young children often learn one of the very first words they learn, and they'll just go around the house saying, no, 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 no. Why is that? Because they've heard it so many times. And so that's a healthy form of rejection. The other way to handle rejection, as you can imagine, is an unhealthy way. And when we began believing the lies of the enemy, when we began falling into the trap of the enemy, and when we began assuming that he is right, and we find ourselves as a result as rejected by family, as rejected on the job, as rejected in relationships, and eventually we draw the conclusion that I'm not good enough for God either, and therefore he rejects me. Do you understand that Japheth had every right? His family had turned on him. His extended family had forsaken him. And he had every right to feel rejected and neglected by his own family bloodline. You may be here this morning feeling similar situations to where things are not good in your family situation. I can tell you, however, that Jesus said the enemy is a liar and the father of them. And just because a family member doesn't accept you or see things the way you see them, I can tell you that that has nothing to do with your acceptance by your heavenly father. Jesus Christ died for you. He died for your well-being and for your eternal destiny just like he did everybody else's. So Japheth's family, oddly enough, reaches out to him. Isn't that funny? You get in trouble, you start reaching out to people you know that can help you. I've said this in almost every church I've persecuted. I don't care what you call me. You know, Brother Keith, Brother Underhill, Pastor, it doesn't matter. Keith, makes no difference. I'm not one of these guys that's hung up on a title. But I can promise you, every time I've crashed through the intensive care unit doors and I've walked into that hospital room, it's been, Pastor, we're glad you're here. The reason for that is because I know who I represent. And Japheth's family got in trouble. They were facing an enemy and insurmountable odds that they couldn't conquer, that they couldn't overcome. So they find Japheth in Tob, which is a city in northeast of Ramoth Gilead. He's hanging out with these band of outlaws and a more common historical or figurative imagination character. He was more like a Robin Hood type. And so why would these people reach out to a rebellious, a rejected runaway? It's because the book of Judges is mapping out this roller coaster ride. So they have worshipped, the children of Israel have worshipped God, they've worshipped Baal, they've worshipped the Asherahs, they've worshipped all the false gods, and they repent and they repeat. They repent and they repeat. How many of us have circled in that same area? Lord, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to stay true to you. 
I'm going to do what your word says, and we have to repent, and then we repeat. Aren't you glad the Lord's there every single time? However many times you circle back to his love and his mercy and his grace, he's still just as there and just as present as he was the first time. I'm glad for the Lord's saving power. It's wonderful when he reaches down and rescues a soul and rescues a destiny and sets a person on their way to heaven. That's a wonderful thing. But I can tell you, friends, I don't believe we give the Lord enough credit for his keeping power. Because I'm telling you, this whole world is a mess. Brother Rick mentioned it a moment ago about if you, if you draw the conclusions about what the world is like, from the talking heads on TV, it's a wonder you even have sense enough to find your car when the service is over. I mean, you, you get one report from this angle, you get another report from that angle, and, and it's all chaos and it's all confusion. And I'm not trying to drag you in to a political discussion, but who in the world just a few years ago would have thought a stinking little piece of cloth that goes across the lower part of your face would have divided the world? But it has, and it did, and it went from that little piece of cloth to that little mixture, that little potion in a syringe that absolutely has divided the world. And that's why we have to push back and realize that this whole world is in trouble, and the only way that we can understand reality and the only way that we can make sense out of the nonsense is to stay by the stuff and live a life that brings honor and glory to Almighty God. And if we're serving on the backside of Tob with a band of hooligans, and if our families rejected us, the only thing that's going to keep us true is our surrendered obedience and assurance that God is still on the throne that Jesus has died for our sins and we're on our way to heaven and that's not pie in the sky honey that's sounding sweeter every single day now Japheth gets an email maybe he's contacted and his family wants him back because they want him to fight a war. Isn't that just like a good family? <laughs> we're cowards, but we're going to reach out to old Japheth. He's a great warrior, and we're going to put him up front and let him lead the troops. That's, in essence, what they're saying. We want him to fight the battle. And Japheth is not quite as quick to accept the invitation. He says, if I rescue you, you'll just reject me again. So Japheth has to prove his legitimacy not only to himself but to his descendants. Now, I love this part. What man rejects, God often requests. What man rejects, God often requests. Japheth became the judge of Israel because of his military exploits, but it's not a one and done. Look at chapter 11, verses 29 through 
through 33. At the time, the Spirit of God came upon Japheth, and he went throughout the land of Gilead and Manasseh, including Mitzvah and Gilead. And from there he led the army against the Ammonites, and Japheth made a vow to the Lord. He said, If you give me victory over the Ammonites, I will give the Lord whatever comes out of my house to meet me when I return in triumph. I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Dum da dum dum. Verse 32, so Japheth led his army against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave him the victory. He crushed the Ammonites, devastating about 20 towns, and not only was Japheth's leadership tested, his commitment was also tested because he made a very flippant vow. Now, I'm going to lead you to the edge of the bluff, and I'm going to let you jump on your own. The vow that Japheth made was, Lord, if you will give me this victory, whatever walks out of my door to meet me when I get home, I will sacrifice as a burnt offering. Now, I'm going to take some liberty with the text here for just a second. Did Japheth have a dog? Maybe a dog he didn't like. Maybe when I get home, Fido will run out first. Hot dog. Or maybe Japheth was a dog man and his wife had a cat. And he's thinking when the door opens, the cat runs out. Bam. Victory upon victory. Maybe. Japheth and Mrs. Japheth had had a squabble before he went to war. And maybe he's updated his farmer's only account. And since there's no need to be lonely, he may be hoping Mrs. Japheth walks out the front door. But not in a million years. Was he expect what walked out that door? His pride and his joy met him rejoicing and celebrating. She's probably, I'm talking about his daughter, she's probably 12 to 14 years old. She's not married. The Scripture tells us she's a virgin, she's pure, she's young. She has her entire life ahead of her. And I'm still taking liberty with the text. It's just hard for me to believe that even though Japheth made a very flippant vow, that he tied that girl to a stake and lit a torch and offered her as a sacrifice like the idol worshipers did that were in his country. And commentators are split. Some will tell you that's what they believe. Others will tell you that he probably committed his daughter more like Hannah did to Samuel in some sort of work of the Lord. And because of that, she was never able to marry. She was never able to produce children. And in that sense of the term, he offered her and he sacrificed her. I told you I'm going to bring you to the edge of the bluff and I'm going to drop you. I don't know what happened. But I do know that Japheth made a very flippant 
not well thought out vow, and then he understood the consequences of not keeping that vow before God. So in one way or the other, he offered his daughter as a sacrifice. And I think sometimes, as is often the case in Scripture, we put entirely too much emphasis on what happened and too little emphasis on what we think about should happen. We're uncomfortable, or I'm uncomfortable at least, with recognizing this daughter as being torched or burned alive as a sacrifice to an idol. That doesn't sit right with me. So maybe what should have happened would have been some sort of arrangement to where she could serve the rest of her life, and again, we don't know. But we do know that chapter 12 opens with another threat. Time out. Just because you're the leader doesn't mean you clap out of threats. I want to say that again. Just because you're the leader doesn't mean you clap out of threats. Pastor Appreciation Day is wonderful. Thank you for honoring your pastor. But I can tell you nothing that would make them happier than to know, and I trust you already are, nothing would make them happier than to know their church family is praying for them every single the phrase, it's a jungle out there, church doesn't do justice to what it is out there. The load gets heavy. The load gets almost unbearable. We just buried one week ago our children's pastor at Springdale First Assembly. You think that's not a sacrifice? We prayed. We believed God. We trusted the Lord for a miracle. Some fasted. We marched around seven times on repeated occasions in the hospital parking lot. And as sure as I'm standing before you, we believed that God was going to bring him back to his responsibilities and to his family and to his church family. And something else happened. You may have come up in the same environment I did. You don't question God. But I'm going to tell you something. There are times you do question God. If you're human, if you're normal, if you're doing your best to walk out your salvation experience on this earth, there are times that life doesn't make sense. And the enemy threatens, and he threatens Japheth again. Chapter 12 of verse 1, he says, Why didn't you call me? Why didn't you call for us to help you fight against the Ammonites? We are going to burn your house down and you in it. Japheth says, I called you and you ignored. Your phone was off. Your phone was dead. You hit the shady button. You didn't respond. They're threatening to kill him. They're going to burn his house down with him in it. Look at verse 2 and 3. 
of chapter 12. Japheth replied, I summoned you at the beginning of the dispute, but you refused to come. You failed to help us in our struggle against Ammon. So when I realized you weren't coming, I risked my life and went to battle without you, and the Lord gave me the victory over the Ammonites. So why have you come to fight with me now? Long story short, Japheth ends up in another battle. It's now the Gileonites against the Ephraimites. This man that's rejected by his family, this man that has assembled a group of hooligans or vigilantes, now is in another fight. He's in another battle. Here's the reality, Christians. You can judge a dog in the fight. You cannot judge the fight in the dog. Am I making sense to you? You can have an opinion up or down about the dog in the fight or about the believer in the fight, but you cannot understand how much fight is in that believer. And I think, frankly, the enemy miscalculates that many times when he begins dealing with the people of God. In Japheth's case, he knew that the forge, I don't mean 150, 250, 350, or Taurus, or Explorer. I mean the fords, the shallow ripples of the water. He knew that they could occupy those crossings. And it came down to one word. Not acorn versus acorn, but it came down to one word. You see, the Ephraimites had trouble pronouncing shibboleth. They sort of got a Donald Duck dialect and said shibboleth. They couldn't pronounce the word correctly. And so when the Ephraimites came to the forge, to the low waters, to the rippling crossings, the Gileonites would ask them, are you a Gileonite or are you an Ephraimite? What are you going to say? Duh! Your life depends on it. You getting back home, understand, these are the same race of people their complexion is the same. Everything is the same about them. There is absolutely no difference. And so when the troops ask them, are you a Gileonite or an Ephraimite? If you've got any sense at all, you're going to say a Gileonite. But Japheth's troops were one step ahead. They said, okay, we'll take your word pronounce this word. And if the reply was shibboleth, one letter difference, there's an H. If the word is shibboleth, the troops moved out of the way and they crossed and the Gileanites went back home. But if they were an Ephraimite and they got their tongue tangled up and in their Donald Duck dialect, they said, shibboleth, no H. They were killed. 
a man that his family rejected him. God said, I can use you, son. 42,000 Ephraimites that day died in the waters based on the pronunciation of one single Doesn't matter if it's acorn or acorn. What matters, the bigger picture, is Japhath was a man rejected. He was rebellious. He was ridiculed. But he was requested by God. First Corinthians one twenty seven. Instead, God chooses the things of the world that they consider foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Who knew 13 years ago when Jackie and I transitioned from Hector First to Second, who knew what God had in mind? He did because he's in charge. Who knew 10 years and change beyond that point that God would touch a couple of hearts in the mountains of Ecuador say it's time to come home? Who knew that the lineage of Brother and Sister Bull at Hector First Assembly would be carried forward. Who knew that the footprint of Hector First Assembly would be what it is? I have bragged on you far and near. I don't know how it's like today, but I can tell you the truth, that when we were serving here, the school, before they would schedule a basketball tournament, would call and want to know if we had anything on the calendar for that night. I don't know how to tell you this. That doesn't happen in Springdale. They play ball seven nights a week in Springdale. And the only reason they're playing seven instead of eight is because it's only seven days in a week. And they're playing ball all the time. It just changes sizes and shapes. But I'm telling you, that's the footprint. That's the impact. That's the legacy. That's what you have here at Hector First Assembly. And God has gifted you with the leaders of the hour to go forward, to go onward, to go upward. And child of God, I would say to you, you have absolutely no reason to mispronounce whether it's a lorry or a truck or whether it's an acorn or an acorn or whether it's Sibboleth or Shibboleth because you have a man that God has appointed that has put in your place and in your path to lead you and to guide you. And when the moment of battle comes, you'll stand victorious, not only because of him, but because of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and when you don't know which way to turn and you need encouragement in the night, all you need to know is that by the powerful hand of God, he uses those things that look foolish to us that we don't understand that doesn't make any sense. Why would God have to go 3,500 miles to handpick a man and his wife and bring them back to Hector First Assembly? It may not make sense to anybody but God, but it makes perfect sense to him because all along he was directing, he was leading, he was preparing he was making the shift for them to be with you. 
shibboleth. The feet of Christ. One more verse that I want to share with you as I conclude. First Peter chapter 2, verses 4, 5, and 6. I don't know what y'all normally do if the team usually comes back. Feel free. Now's a good time. First Peter chapter 2, verses 4, 5, and 6. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, but he was chosen by God for a great honor. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are holy priests through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for a great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. I don't know why I keep dwelling on this, but your family's opinion of you does not determine your value. Your family's opinion of you does not determine your worth. Your yesterday does not determine your tomorrow. God used Japheth, the son of a prostitute. That, that would be a tall order even in today's society. But centuries and centuries and centuries ago, not even viewed as a family member, not welcome at the family reunion, not appreciated for anything. Lean in a second. None of this was Japheth's fault. He was the son of a prostitute, but he wasn't involved in the transaction, if you know what I mean. He was the result of somebody else's ill-advised choice and sinful decision. I think it's so cool that God said, hey, buddy, I know your family's turned on you. I know your pedigree's not the best. But I can use you. Church, that should be comfort. That should be encouragement for every person in the room. Those that are online, I pray your spirit is encouraged. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It matters where you've been. Will you stand with me, please, across the building? And I, I didn't ask Pastor Shannon. I, I have a terrible habit of making myself at home wherever I am. And this is no exception. If I come in your living room, first thing I'm going to do is kick my shoes off. So, you, I mean, you just got to know. And I know this is not the right invitation for pastor appreciation. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to call Pastor Shannon and Susan up, and you're supposed to gather in a circle, and we're supposed to pray God's blessings and God's rich and anointing over them. I, I know that. That's Pastor Appreciation Sunday. I've seen a few. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. 
I have no idea who I'm talking to if my life depended on it. Couldn't walk to you. Don't have a clue. But your family situation right now is a wreck. You fit the character of Japheth, and I, I don't mean necessarily your pedigree, but your family's deserted you, your family's walked out on you, your family has drawn their own conclusions about you, and it hurts. It hurts. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Anybody in the room? I have no idea. Anybody? give you my word. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. Any response you make will be entirely up to you. But things are just tough right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know if you say acorn or acorn. I don't know if you say sibboleth or shibboleth. Got a good idea you say truck and not lorry. But I just want you to feel a hug from heaven today with your heavenly father. Anybody else in the room? Just slip it up and write back down. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Now I know that family situations are very, very, very personal. And I acknowledge that. I've given you my word. I'm, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make a spectacle of you. But if you're comfortable, would you just make a point of contact with the person next to you? And let's pray one for another. That person standing by you may have been one of the four or five individuals that raised their hands. Only if you're comfortable. I'm not asking you to do anything you're not comfortable with. But I want to pray for you as you raise your hand. Let's pray together. Father, I lift up these dear friends to you. Lord, I have no idea what the situation involves. I have no idea of the right or the wrong. I have no idea of what it involves. I have no clue. And it's not even important that I do know. But Lord, what is important to me is that every person under the sound of my voice sense your nearness and sense your presence and sense your love today. And I ask you, Lord, that even though the rejection of family and those closest to us it brings pain, and it brings heartache, and it brings hurt, and it brings tears in the family. Lord, I pray somehow let us look beyond that and let us see the receptivity of our Heavenly Father. Let us see your love. Let us see your grace. Let us see your mercy. Lord, I pray today that your hand would encourage, guide, and lead. And Lord, if we're estranged from our family, Make room today that we can begin working our way back to them and them to us. We need you, Lord. It's not out of judgment. It's not out of condemnation. 
It's simply out of a desire to be used by you. Lord, as Japheth was used, the beautiful picture in Judges 11 and 12 tells us that you can use anybody. You can use any of us for your honor and for your glory. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask you for your glory. Amen and amen and amen. Praise your Lord. Now, would you do one more thing before I turn the service back to your pastor? Would you just stretch your hand their direction? And let's pray for Pastor Shannon and Miss Susan that God will just continue to minister to them and bless them and anoint them in their time at Hector First Assembly. Father, thank you for these choice servants. Thank you for their vision. Thank you for their heart. Thank you for their love for your people. And I pray today, Lord, that you would give them supernatural energy, give them supernatural strength, broaden their vision, strengthen their stakes, and lengthen their cords. Lord, I pray as you speak to them, not only about Hector First Assembly, but about the community and the surrounding areas. Lord, give them supportive people. Give them people that come alongside to love them, to help them, to cause that vision to come to fruition. And Lord, I pray, encourage your people, strengthen your people, minister to them, I pray. Be what only you can be to us all. We ask you for your honor. We ask you for your glory. We thank you again for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.